your gold standard as far as Notre Dame sports analysis, insight, news, and interviews. I'm Todd Burledge. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. I do some work for the Associated Press and for the university as well for game day program magazines. As always, I'm joined by Mason Plummer. You can find me at Todd Burlidge on Twitter. You can find Mason at Mason Plummer 6, numeral 6 on Twitter. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Generations Barbershop. Located on Lincoln Way East, Generations is open Tuesday through Saturday by appointment only. Check them out on Facebook at Generations Barbershop, a local shop with a Notre Dame feel. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to give you the lay of the land as far as Notre Dame schedule, what it looks like. It looks like it's coming together a little bit more since last we spoke. We weren't sure. Mason, as always, landed a killer interview. He is a 2021 defensive lineman slash tight end Joe Alt. It's an interesting story and a great interview. We'll get to that. We're also going to start our position previews, and we're going to start where it begins, at quarterback. Talk about Ian Book and the folks behind him. And then ultimately, I have a interview with Austin Webster, a former team captain from Notre Dame in 2017, as I mentioned him before. This is Mason Plummer. Mason, you are a Ball State student. You are a friend. You are my co-host. I heard you uh, had a little bit of a career move this week. Yeah, absolutely, Todd. I moved on from Slap the Sign. I recently joined Sports Illustrated and the Irish Breakdown with Brian Driscoll. I took a recruiting analyst position there. Everything's going great so far. I've published three or four stories now that you can find on the site at Irish Breakdown on SI Now. Yeah, Todd, it's, it's a good career move for me. I'm trying to move up in the world. Yeah, exactly, and you're doing it at an accelerated pace. Congratulations, Mason's still at Ball State. Here we go, folks. We're going to start every show. Gold Rush. During this tumultuous week, almost all of the Notre Dame coaches stepped out on their Twitter accounts and other social media to send condolences and push for a better understanding of what went on after the Minneapolis situation. At least 25 players, many coaches, including Brian Kelly, former Notre Dame legendary coach Muffet McGraw, Neil Ivey, Clark Lee, Brian Polian, they all reached out to say, hey, you know what, something has to be done and we're paying attention. Notre Dame has four players in the pro football-focused top 50 players that was released yesterday, Todd. Number four, Quentin Nelson. Number 35, safety Harrison Smith. Number 46, guard Zach Martin. And number 48, left tackle Ronnie Stanley. Men's basketball head coach Mike Bray stayed stayed true to his promise, his scheduling promise, under these budgetary constraints by keeping it bus trips. Well, he made a big bus trip. It's a three-game series with Kentucky. It begins in 2020 at Rupp Arena in Lexington, December 12th. 2021 is a neutral site game, remains to be determined, and 2022 back at Notre Dame. Potentially the best player Notre Dame was set to face this season, other than Trevor Lawrence, is Clemson star wide receiver Justin Ross. He's set to have surgery Friday, June 5th for a congenital spine issue that could put his entire career in jeopardy. Ross's Clemson was set to play Notre Dame November 7th. And early projections from 24-7 Sports has Notre Dame playing in a New Year's Six Bowl this year, facing off with familiar foe Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Gold Rush. What everybody wants to know about right now is sort of the lay of land. Where does Notre Dame stand? Are they going to have a football season? What's that football season going to look like? And since last we visited, there has been a little bit of clarity. It starts with something we knew was going to happen, the Navy game, which was originally scheduled for August 29th has now been moved a week up into Labor Day weekend, and that would be, they're talking about either the Saturday, September 5th, or the Sunday, September 6th on that one, and it's going to be played at Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. 
this series has been going on for 94 years in a row, Mason, and not once have they ever played in Annapolis. It's a 30,000-seat stadium, and at first glance you think, oh, wow, Notre Dame played in a 30,000-seat stadium? How's that going to happen? Well, under COVID-19, I don't even know if they'll be able to fill half of 30,000. The Pac-12 made an important announcement. Pac-12 announced that on June 15th, you can start voluntary in-person workouts on campus. It looks like the Pac-12 will be a go in football, which obviously plays big time into Notre Dame's schedule when you have Stanford and USC on it. It's a, it's a really interesting development because we thought California was going to be one of the more conservative states, and they still might be. But, you know, we talked off the air about what is Notre Dame going to do without Stanford or USC on the schedule. And it's looking like those might happen, starting to look like the Notre Dame schedule is going to come together. Yeah, and it almost seems like, Mason, it doesn't matter where they play these games when you start to look at the Navy game now in a 30,000-seat stadium. doesn't matter if it's, if it's a high school stadium. Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletics director, he had a Zoom call with the season ticket holders. Zwarbrick said he's not 100% sure what it looks like. Is there going to be a Titan schedule? Will it be 9 or 10 games? We don't know. Is it going to be maybe even moving football into the spring? He does not think that's going to be the case. Seems like the one scenario that Jack Zwarbrick continues to lean to is a conference-only schedule and then a plus-one model. He thinks that's the one that's going to sell, so it'll shrink the schedule to 9, 10, 11 games. And the reason Jack Zwarbrick can celebrate this idea, Mason, the Irish already have six ACC teams on the schedule. Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Duke, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. So if these other teams that have to play a conference-only schedule and then you get your plus one, I think that would help Notre Dame feel in like a Wisconsin, a Navy, a USC, a Stanford, an Arkansas, and so on. When you look at a model with Notre Dame conference plus one, who wouldn't want Notre Dame to be the plus one? Purely from the, the money Notre Dame brings in, you're bringing in a national brand that's going to get plenty of fans there. Whether fans are allowed or not, I guess, is a factor. But there's going to be plenty of people watching, more eyes on your team. Scheduling Notre Dame has to be a priority one for teams that are looking for an out-of-conference game. All right, one last note on this, Mason. Uh, Wisconsin, there were a lot of rumors this past week that because of COVID-19, Wisconsin was considering moving its home game, game against Notre Dame at Lambeau Field. They were talking about moving that somewhere. Wisconsin says no. They don't know where that report is coming from. All systems, according to that athletic department, are a go for a game at Lambeau. Let's get into this recruiting, Mason. We'll throw this right into your wheelhouse. David Abiera, we talked about him, defensive line recruit. You introduced him uh, a couple weeks ago. Seemed committed, chose Notre Dame over Oklahoma. There's a lot of rumors out there, Mason, that he might be wavering and thinking about heading back to Oklahoma. Well, Jalen Smith, one of the best players ever to play at Notre Dame and now a Dallas Cowboy linebacker, kind of stepped in. Sort of sent a little tweet out saying, ah, maybe not reconsider your decision. I thought that was something interesting. You know, Jalen Smith isn't the type to reach out to guys that are potentially decommitting. Deion Colsey decommitted just a few weeks ago, and there was no sign from Jalen Smith there. You know, Jalen Smith isn't going to reach out just to anybody. And clearly, he believes that Abiar is a guy that Notre Dame needs and that he believes that Notre Dame is the best place for Abiara. So nobody knows what it's like to be a Notre Dame star better than Jalen Smith, potentially the, one of the best players to play in a Notre Dame jersey, as you mentioned. For Jalen Smith to reach out to Abiara, who hasn't officially announced that he's going to decommit, 
uh, signs were looking like that last week, but signs are starting to become more encouraging as the staff has, you know, started to almost re-recruit him and try to keep him because I really think he's one of the better defensive ends in the class and somebody that could play early on, Todd. It seems like it's been a little bit quiet on the recruiting front, but can you bring us up to speed on any latest news? As far as the 2021 class, so things are starting to heat up with linebacker Prince Collie out of Tennessee. He's an underranked guy, somebody that I got to talk to recently on my article on Irish Breakdown. Got to talk to him, got to talk to his head coach. Collie's uh, a really intriguing athlete, somebody that I compare actually to Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, who set the star for Notre Dame on defense this year as the rover, potentially a first-round pick there. They, they're so similar athletically. Their recruitment was nearly the same, Todd. They were both under-recruited. Notre Dame jumped in, and it looks like Notre Dame's in a great position for him now. So Prince and, and his head coach and I all talked about how academics are important to him, playing for a good football team is important, religion is important. Seems like he checks all the boxes there. All right, let's get into this. He's a tight end. He's from Fridley, Minnesota. I think I'm saying that right. Joe Alt. When I looked up his size this morning, he was 6'7", 255. He's a three-star sort of borderline. Is he a tight end? Is he a tackle? He's a 2021 kid. And I remember his father, John Alt, very well. He played for Hayden Fry at Iowa. First two seasons at tight end, and then guess what? He outgrew that position. Ended up a 6'8", 300-pound, two-time Pro Bowler, 13-year NFL guy. He's a Kansas City Chief Hall of Famer. He spent two years guarding Joe Montana's blind side in 1993-94. Tell us about Joe Alt. As soon as Notre Dame offered Joe Alt, that was an offer I found to be super intriguing in that his size is unreal, and somebody that's as low-ranked as he is, for somebody that's that size and has that kind of frame that any strength coach would love to build on, Talk to me about your recruitment just a little bit, just in general. Saw seven offers. Break down those teams for me and what you're liking. The first one was Minnesota, and one of the main things I like about that is just it's, it's very close to home, and uh, obviously they're on the uh, up, up, uprising here in these last couple of years. My, my second offer was Iowa State. Uh, I like to like to feel that. I like to feel. I like the coaching staff there. They have uh, that's one of those schools that's recruiting me as a strictly tight end, so that's interesting to me. Then was Iowa, and just I've been around Iowa my whole life, so that was very interesting to me. Just with the I know the coaches, and I've, I've been around there and everything, and I've I've been down there a couple of times. And then uh, Northwestern is academics are important to me, so having a very well-known academic school and then still being good at football, it's it, it's also important to me. And then Kansas State and Missouri, I don't know a whole bunch about about from the, when I first got offered, but since with Kansas State, I've really liked to uh, grow to like the offensive coordinator. He's, he thinks a lot about the game a lot. Obviously, Notre Dame is very prestigious in both academics and football, and it's kind of is the perfect well-rounded fit for me, which is which is awesome, and it's a, it's a it's a great great uh, school so far. Talk to me a little bit about how uh, Notre Dame's been reaching out to you. I saw you got an offer just over a week ago. Could you tell that they were kind of hot on you from the start? Yeah, they they talked to me a little bit before the season and during the season, and I would definitely say it got really hot last week and got really kind of they really started communicating with me and I could kind of feel it picking up was there a reason why you think or you think they just kind of reviewed your film more and really liked what they saw in you yeah I think I, I think I kind of was a uh, with my size and kind of growing I think I kind of got to the game a little later than some people did well like I, my first season last year was at, at tight end was my junior year so I think I kind of got there later with my growth spurt not being till sophomore year so I think just when they were looking through some of the films here this spring and with the quarantine going out, that they, they found mine, I think that kind of caught their eye. Is there a position that you prefer to play, or are you open to whatever, wherever coaches kind of want you to be? Yeah, I'm open to 
wherever pretty much. Like I like I said, I just kind of grew last year. So I grew six inches between sophomore and junior year. So I was pretty skinny last year going into the season. I was like six seven, like two thirty going into the season. So I didn't really think a, a line was a very good choice for me. So I went to tight end and then opened anything. I'm just kind of waiting to see how my body fills out. Can imagine that Jeff Quinn would be super excited to have a guy with your frame that can still afford to put on a ton of weight with your height and uh, right. be able to work with that frame with Coach Matt Bayless as well. So, have you locked down a top group in your recruitment? I know you said you have that seven. So, would you consider any group to be like a, a top group? Right now, I'm keeping all offers open, open, but I'm gonna pretty soon here. I'm gonna narrow it down to my top three and kind of start really focusing on them and kind of getting close to making a decision here at the end of the summer. August, September will be a time that I plan on committing. Are taking visits something that's important to you? Like, have you visited Notre Dame? Is that something something that really matters to you? Do you think that through the virtual visits you'll be able to get a feel for what schools have to offer you? That's kind of a goal of mine is to get to, get to visit. I have not visited Notre Dame, Notre Dame yet, and that's that's huge for me. I really want to see if if I can hold out here, and if July does doesn't become a dead period that we can go visit. That'd be that'd be great for me, and that's why I kind of holding out to see if I can go visit. The virtual tours are great, but I just don't think you get a 100% great feel until you actually walk on the campus. Which position do you see yourself having more success at? Obviously, being 6'8", that sounds like a perfect offensive lineman size to me. You have a great frame for that, but tight end position is great as well. What do you think? I, I think it kind of just depends on where I end up going to school. I think I can I can play well at both. I think, I think I can fill out a lot of tackle and kind of be groomed for my size of tackle. At tight end, I'm kind of I'm getting to the point where I don't really want to get much bigger as, as in weight. But at um, tackle, I think I can be – Getting a lot of good weight, and um, I mean, I'm open to both. I think I think tackle might just fill me, uh, fit me better, just from my dad's past experiences, because he was kind of has a similar body type that I have when he was in high school. So I think it might be tackle in the long run. I want to start analyzing some of these positions here, and we may as well start with the top quarterback. Not a lot to talk about, obviously. Third year starter Ian Book, fifth year guy. You wouldn't actually think that Ian Book might end up being one of the best quarterbacks in Notre Dame history, but that certainly is the case. He will enter this season with 6,118 passing yards. That's sixth all-time. Without anything happening, something barring injury or unforeseen circumstances, he will leave here as the number two passer in Notre Dame history, only behind Brady Quinn, who has almost 12,000 yards. So I don't know if anybody's going to catch him anytime soon. But also books 57 career touchdown passes. He's fourth all-time. It sort of puts him within striking distance. It would have to be a heck of a season. He would need 38 to reach Brady Quinn's career mark of 95. A couple more here, Mason. Book enters this season with a 20-3 and record as a starter. If he gets 10 more wins, he will be Notre Dame's all-time winningest quarterback. He will break the record of 29 shared by Tom Clements, Rick Meyer, Ron Powell's and Brady Quinn. Mason, he's quietly done it. I guess longevity helps pad your stats. But at the same time, it's hard to argue that that 23, uh, that 20 win three record, that, that's that's very impressive. Yeah, it is super impressive. And it really speaks to Ian Book as, uh, as a player and as a winner, he, he wins. And a lot of the, a lot of fans seem to be uh, not sure about him, and I don't know what there isn't to be sure of. I, I think I, the man for the job. I think Mason. There's no doubt about that. But obviously, the knock on him is when you look at the three losses. They're the three biggest games of his career, and this has gone on, you know, for years past. But everybody wants to see Ian Book win the big one. Right, I, and I get that too. But I think that's more of a reflection of the whole team not showing up for big games, not just him, and not not that he played 
necessarily super well in those games either, but he can't do it by himself. And uh, like I said, I don't think one guy changes the entire outcome. As a third-year starter now, having been there, done that, I honestly see him taking – I think he'll have a new demeanor. And actually, here's Brian Kelly talking about the leadership and how he feels about Ian Book. What's great leadership, right? To me, um, when, when you battle through adversity – after the Michigan game, for him to lead our football team to six consecutive wins, that's pretty good. That shows some resilience and some leadership, and all those guys know that. So they want to follow a guy like that just because of his actions from last year. So he's got a ton of credibility and a lot of respect from his peers. He doesn't really need to walk around and scream and yell. He's got a presence about him. And he just needs to be Ian Book, complete a shitload of passes. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, he keeps doing that stuff, um, and lead in the in the manner of who he is. He doesn't need to be anybody else. Just be Ian Book, and I think he'll be fine. Okay, so we move on from Ian Book, Mason. I want to break you down a little bit here because obviously, if something would happen to Book, expecting Brendan Clark to be the backup and uh, Drew Pine is definitely going to push him hard. Pine's one of the better quarterbacks in the 2020 class. But Clark has shown over the, his time at Notre Dame that he's willing to work hard. And there, there were reports that he even beat out Phil Yurkovic last season for the number two quarterback yeah. role. And that, that, was never, that was never shown. But Clark is, is a dog, and he's willing to put in the work. And he knows that he's underranked. Todd, that's something we discussed off the air, how Clark was just a three-star. But he feels like he's the best quarterback on the field every time he touches the field. A person who also shares that same sentiment is Drew Pine out of Connecticut, the class of 2020. Pine comes in as one of the higher-ranked Notre Dame recruits in quite some time from the quarterback position. Notre Dame's been getting a lot of three-star guys that they've been developing, but uh, Pine comes in as a high-ranked four-star, nearly five-star status, Todd, and uh, he's super talented, but with the guy coming in after him, Tyler Buckner, that everybody loves talking about already, I'm not sure if Pine's going to see the light of day. I had a chance to catch up with Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and one of the questions that came up during this interview was, what is behind Ian Book? And when he talked about Brendan Clark, the first thing he mentioned there is he's one of the most dedicated players that he's ever coached or even been around when it comes to wanting to get better. What can I do to get better? He, we asked about Drew Pine. Reese is most impressed with him already is that Drew Pine in the quarterback's room, Pine gets it. He understands why you're trying to do it, what you're trying to do. And so Reese is very impressed with him cerebrally by the numbers 16 16 consecutive starts by ian book since missing the florida state game in 2018 last year book became only the third quarterback under brian kelly during his first 10 seasons to start every game of the year that was tommy reese in 13 deshaun kaiser in 16 29 number of career td receptions that went out the door with the losses of Chase Claypool, Chris Fink, and Cole Komet. That's going to be Ian Book's greatest challenge to find some playmakers there. Claypool 17, Fink 6, Komet 6. I had a chance to catch up with Austin Webster. 2014-2017, comes in as a walk-on, ends up a team captain in 2017, was a wide receiver. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Todd? Not too bad. I wanted to catch up with you. Just First of all, it looks like we're going to have a football season. How exciting is that? Oh, it's fantastic. There's There was a lot of uh, uncertainty and, and didn't know how that was going to turn out. And, you know, 
being me, I was really crossing my fingers, especially for my former teammates. I know how much it means to them to get an actual season, so it's absolutely great news to sound like some sort of season is going to be taking place. First of all, tell folks what you've been doing since you graduated from Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I graduated as a finance major uh, right around my junior year of college, though I decided I wanted to actually try to get into medicine instead. Um, and so in order to do so, uh, I needed to, since I didn't have any of the prerequisites to get into medical school, I needed to do what's called a post-baccalaureate program, which is essentially uh, getting your, after you get your uh, bachelor's degree, going to any one of the universities and basically doing the classes that are required for medical school, um, chemistry, physics, all that good stuff. And uh, it can take one year, it can take two years, depending on the program that you're in. And so I've been at Northwestern University, finishing up my post-baccalaureate program, and I've been blessed to having been accepted to Northwestern's Feinberg School of Medicine this upcoming fall. When I look at the football players, I, and I realize that we've heard it a lot, we need four, six, probably eight weeks best to prepare these guys. How difficult is, is it going to be, do you think, to get the team together and get them ready to go and what's going to kind of be an abbreviated schedule now? You know, that's a great question. And obviously the strength staff is going to have a lot to do um, in the future coming weeks to really get our team prepared physically. On that aspect, I have trust in my teammates that, you know, it means so much to them that they're going to be ready to go. And I know they're going to be itching to get back into that weight room and on the field uh, once they step back on campus. Austin, I've been thinking a little bit about, okay, you have a fifth-year quarterback. You have all five-year offensive line in returning mm -hmm. you have a bunch of bright kids on this team that's how Notre Dame recruits I can't help but wonder if might Notre Dame be a little bit better equipped to, to get through all this than perhaps some other schools obviously biased over here I think my teammates and and, and the way that um, our coaching staff has prepared um, both when it comes to recruiting the right the right men as well as to preparing them once they're on campus um, and and the capabilities that they have um, mentally physically um, I mean you know top notch you can't find both aspects in the country often at the capacity that Notre Dame has uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Notre Dame came out and said that it looks like, you know, nothing's really changed. Last one for me, Austin. Let me back you up a little bit. What did your time at Notre Dame mean to you? Oh, man. Uh, my time at Notre Dame meant so much to me in terms of just my de my development as a, as a human being in terms of how to fight through adversity, obviously starting off as a walk-on, learning what it means to continue to do your role, do your job, even if that job is not at the forefront in front of the cameras, grinding through any hardships, any obstacles that come in your way, uh, not necessarily for yourself, even though it is important for you to try to achieve what you're there to achieve for, but, but for the team. And kind of going through Notre Dame, that, that's what I really learned, forming your role, no matter what that role is. Austin, I really appreciate your time. I'll be in touch again soon, and good luck to you. Be safe, man. Absolutely, Todd. Thank you so much. Great to hear from you. We appreciate you joining us on the Gold Standard, the Notre Dame podcast that we hope will become your gold standard as far as analysis, interviews, information, and all things Notre Dame sports. Thanks, Mason. Gold standard.